0: Of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo. In this is episode 254. I am joined on a chilly Thursday morning by my co-host, Prez, that is at
1: Presidente
0: on Twitter. Victory, t- Thursday morning. Prez, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much the same down here in D.C. Rainy and gloomy and fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like... uh I'll probably colder up your way, though. <laughs> A little bit. A little bit colder, probably. You don't even um, got that dirty city warmth. You got fucking <laughs> fresh air, crisp coolness.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not pleasant
1: up here right now.
0: Um, but hey, it's almost Christmas. So uh, let's get excited. And before we get started, I have a few announcements to make. The first is The Strickland has an Instagram. That is right. We are on Instagram now. Check that out. Make sure you're following us. That is at thestrict.land on Instagram. We are posting all kinds of new content on there, so please give us a follow. We also have a YouTube channel where you may be watching this right now. If you are, and you haven't already, hit like, and then hit subscribe to the channel. Help us get to a 1,000. It would help us out a ton. We also have a merchandise store. Check that out. All kinds of fun designs. Uh, If you need something for Christmas, some last-minute Christmas shopping, might be it. Might be the move. We also have a Patreon, which I'm sure you've heard before. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. Uh, certainly has not stopped during this five-game winning streak, I can tell you that much. There are further tiers as under here. That gets you access to Stricken and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to Wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, The Knicks won an overtime game yesterday, 128-120, in Chicago against the Bulls of Chicago. Uh, they play again on Friday. I I hate these like back to back games that the NBA is doing. I mean, I get it; it's to cut down on travel, but I don't know. It just feels weird. Um, anyway, it's good to get the first one. It's Uh, different
1: city, though, right? No, no, no. Oh, oh, it's both in the okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. They've been doing this. Um, it's it's nice to get the first one because it's usually hard to win both, and I feel like you'd rather win the first. That way, you don't have the kind of pressure to win the second one. Better vibes. yeah, also better vibes. Also winning five straight is nice. Also not blowing a game that you probably shouldn't have <laughs> been in a position to blow is nice. Uh, we're going to talk about all that. But, like, uh, I just think, um, you know, let's... There were a lot of people that were like, why is Brunson even playing? You know, he's he's hurt. And, like, I just want to say, like, I get the notion of that. And I get that, like, if he's hurt, like, we don't need to lionize guys for playing through injuries. Like, yes if you can and you you know do take one for the team that's obviously something that is very respectable but like we don't we shouldn't lionize that stuff guys should take care of their health um but like they, it's also if, a
1: contusion right so that's really important like if it was a a bad ankle sprain or something then you could genuinely make it much worse and but like if it's a contusion that's basically a shitty bruise like it's a matter of pain management like like if somebody like curb stomped his ankle, it would really suck. But that's pretty much the main risk here. Like, and, and I know we saw the the Knicks, the Knicks party picture. Shout out to Svi, um, where he was in a where Jalen Brunson was in a boot. But that's really just precautionary to, to literally exactly that to make sure like he's not fucking walking around and then you know Julius or Ob accidentally like clip his ankle and uh set set the pain back a large amount, but for in game, if it's just pain, like you can probably deal with it. It's not, you know, it's not that serious to me.
0: Yeah. And, and I also just think like, look, we're, we're not doctors. Even if you are a doctor, you don't have access to the fucking actual medical information on his specific case. Um, if the medical staff is clearing him, and he feels fine. I don't really know what you're supposed to do about that, and I don't really get the point of complaining about it. And you know what? As somebody who like puts a lot on Tibbs, I can't. I don't know how you put this on Tibbs at all. Like, he's not a fucking doctor. He like, he, and I'm probably yet...
1: not involved in the decision making, right? <laughs> and I and I
0: also have like never seen him with the Knicks anyway. Like, I don't know. I I think he's been pretty good about if guys are out, they're out, like injured, and he's not mm-hmm. rushing guys back. Um, you know, we've seen cases of this every year and like, yes, some guys will come back and play through an injury. Some guys aren't great at that. Like it's just case by case, right? Like there's the Kobe's of the world who would play through like anything. Uh, and then there are guys who just can't function the same way. So like, it is what it is. I just don't, I don't really like complaining about this stuff because if Brunson says he's fine and the doctors are saying he's fine, then you know, like, I don't really know what we're supposed to complain about. Like, it just feels a little, I don't want to say disingenuous, but just, like, not fair. I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel like it makes any sense to complain about that. And, look, like, he started off pretty poorly yesterday. And I'm sure that if he had shot poorly, that would have been like, oh, see, told you, you should have sat. But guess what? He didn't Played a pretty good game. Pretty awesome. Uh, Jalen Brunson, very good basketball player. Enjoy watching him play enjoyed enjoyed watching the offense run through him in overtime before, uh, we to,
1: before we get to that i actually like how was the first half cuz i i actually missed it um i got home at halftime from some stuff
0: oh yeah some stuff some stuff. fucking drug deals over here um it was neither fine neither confirm nor deny <laughs> <laughs> it was fine it was like they I didn't love, like, all right, I'll put it this way. People are going to think, and and I'm sure that people are going to be like, oh my God, you're so hard on Julius. I don't know if this is a Julius thing. I think this is actually like kind of like a Tibbs thing and general process thing. But like, he was really good in the first half. He made a lot of shots, um, got to the free throw line a bunch. I didn't love the process. I thought, like, go watch the first two threes he made. They're good, assisted, clean, catch and shoot looks, decisive. Um, and then watch the next two where he's like indulging in, you know, off the dribble, step back threes and shit. And it's like, I mean, it's it's really simple for me. When Julius keeps it simple, he's really good. When he plays like he's 6'9", 250, brick house and just gets to his spot decisively, one, nobody can stop him from getting to his spots decisively. And two, good things usually happen. When he tries to go into his Kobe, Kawhi, you know elbow jumper god mode that's usually when he gets in, gets in really big trouble and when we stop running an offense and just indulge him standing at the elbow with his hand raised uh, that's when we get in trouble and like look people were like really hard on quickly yesterday in the first half, and I get it he didn't have a great performance but like there's a palpable difference of what he is doing and what he is able to do when it's like him deuce and randall versus him deuce and brunson or not brunson uh and rj and like they weren't you can't do anything if you're a point guard and there's a guy standing in the middle of the floor with his hand raised asking for the iso we saw this with carmelo throughout his time right where it was like well is that carmelo's fault or is that the point guard's fault it takes
1: a lot like at the end of the game jay like the very very end of the game that's when jaylen like because julius was still calling it so for people who didn't see it, throughout the whole fourth quarter and overtime we pretty much resorted to like classic tibbs iso ball from last year and julius uh julius indulged the tibbs did nothing to dissuade him and um at the very end of the game the last couple of plays jalen brunson just kind of called his own number and julius was still in the middle of the floor calling for the ball but Jalen instead kind of just used it as a screen and was just like, "Fuck this!"
0: <laughs> but but even then, like there were enough possessions where he couldn't,
1: and he had to just like right throw Julius ball and like and That's like the hardest thing for Jalen right now yeah. is like he you can tell he doesn't want to like Julius has been playing so well that Jalen he doesn't want to like overstep and you know Julius cooks a lot of guys like you said so uh, I I can see why Jalen was like all right you know let's just go with it and then at the end jalen was finally like ah fuck this
0: (laughs) yeah and 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 the point is like even jalen who is like (laughs) he's better than quick he's the best player on the team yeah like even him for him he's got to walk this like fine line where he's trying to like help julius trying to like keep him happy but then he's also trying to like help us win the fucking basketball game right um and it's like when you're asking then so like when you get these lineups where randall's on the floor without rj and without brunson he just goes into like this he goes into like what we saw last year right where it's just like it's all me all the time give me the ball at the elbow he he sets the fake screen right like the Mm -hmm. fake screen to get a token switch or maybe not even get a switch and then just puts his hand up and like that's the possession and like it's I'm telling you, like, watch when quickly comes in, right? End of, the, end of the first quarter comes in for, or he comes in like midway through for RJ, and then watch the stretch where he plays with Randall without Brunson on the floor with about two thirty left until the end of the quarter, and then watch the start of the second quarter, um, from the start until when the Knicks push the lead out to ten, and and because at the start of the second quarter Randall's not on the floor, RJ is was and
1: I just. Yes. Like with Randall, was he just like a? He's just was, tossing the ball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's yeah. like, and it's like, like, do do I think he needs to be able to grow and like tell Randall to fuck off? Like, yeah. And does he need to just make better decisions and all that? Of course he does. But like, it's really hard to just like make good decisions when you feel restricted in that way. And I don't want to turn this into a quickly thing because he's not even like one of the five most important players from yesterday's game or anything. But like. I just I watch stuff like that, and it's like to me that's not about quickly. That's not about you know Deuce. It's not about any of these guys. It's like this is the stuff that hurts you. Um, even like so, yes, Randall was scoring well and shooting well, but it's not. It wasn't good process, and it's like like,
1: and that showed in the end of the game where eventually, uh, eventually we stopped because he was like cooking a lot of the Bulls. So, I like, I understand why, like, in their, like, reptile brain, Tibbs and Julius were like, oh, fuck this, nobody can guard me, right? Like, let's just do it. But, like, even the weird Bulls adapted and, and made life tough, and, Car- you know, Caruso's a great defender, and Randall made some some tough passes, and Grimes made some tough shots out of this bad process, but it's still bad process, and um, it, it just if you get into that in the modern NBA, it's even the best teams, like literally everybody except Kevin Durant, really. And even, even the the Nets will like do Kevin Durant iso, but also like Seth Curry is running around off ball and scaring people to death. So like you, you gotta, you, you, it's just not enough. And the thing that's the toughest for me is like, we know that despite their success right now, uh, Julius, he, I don't want to say he doesn't care what Tibbs says, but like, it, them being on the same page lately has been more like broken clock twice a day kind of thing than it has been like synergy.
0: Well, it's, I'll say this like, Julius is on a heater right now. So it's okay, like, when a guy is hot, like, it's fine to just lean on him, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but what you want, like, there are good, again, it's just like, you can, you can I don't eat on like, him in different yeah.
1: ways. The best example was um after the zillion plays of uh, ISO ball. the first, I think it was the first or second play where Jalen was like, fuck this um, in uh, overtime, I think. Jalen, he tried to create a shot and got into the paint, didn't, kept his dribble alive, and he did all of that in the first, like, ten seconds of the shot clock, so we still had, like, uh twelve, eleven seconds left or something like that. And then by that time, like the Bulls had been moved around the court and Randall was able to call for the ball not between the free throw line and the three point line, but between the charge circle and the free throw line. And J B was like, All right, let's give you the ball. And I mean, if you give Randall the ball there, then against this Bulls team, like r i p like it's it's a rap for them like he's gonna score or get fouled, so like there's ways you can still satisfy Randall's like you know I'm on a heater, let me get the fucking ball, and I'm the man right now, and even isolation basketball that Tibbs likes in the crunch, but you don't do it outright in a predictable way with no action and and that's really how how ISO superstars cook these days. Like occasionally, yeah, once at the end of the game, you might see true everybody standing still one on one. But like most crunch time, that's not really how it goes. But I don't barring JB just taking the reins and just doing that shit, like, I don't see how this Knicks team can systematically do that because A I don't think Tibbs cares much for that. And B, even if he did, uh I don't think Randall cares what Tibbs thinks for the most part in in that respect so I just don't see how they would break through that so what you get is a situation where at the end of game it's really going to be throughout the season and you know maybe the playoffs if we're in there which hopefully we, we are that Brunson has a lot of pressure to just to just really like he like it shouldn't be on him to create the system by which the Knicks play in crunch time He's the best player in the point guard, yes, but like, there should be buy-in from Randall and Tibbs to play the right way at the end of the game. Even if you're going to lean on Julius heavily, but there's not, and I, I just, I, I fear we're we're, we're in store for a lot more of this. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, look, I clipped, a, I clipped the play, I clipped the play yesterday. They ran there are four straight possessions. Okay, they run three of them through Brunson. One of them is you know, he gets, he hits Arjan a cut for a layup. Next one, he hits Randall for a wide open three, which he misses, which again, he missed that three. I'm not going to kill him for that. It's a great shot. It's a wide open three, top of the key. He took it, no hesitation. I got zero issue with that. Keep shooting at Julius. Good job. Third one, hits Grimes for an open three, cans it. Fourth possession down, okay? This is like, I think it was, I want to say it was uh, 109, 105 at that point. So you got a possession here where you can, Potentially stretch the lead out, right? What does what does he do? What does he do? You can literally see Brunson bring the ball down the floor, and he is telling Julius to clear out, get out of the paint. He's trying to clear out the paint so that he has space to attack, right? What does Julius Mm do? He just he you can literally watch him. He waves off Brunson, starts clapping his hands. He was
1: failing himself
0: For no reason. For no (laughs) reason. He just starts clapping his hands at the elbow, demanding the ball. And then at that point, Brunson's like, you know, there's like 10 seconds left, right? Because you're trying to milk the clock. And so Brunson just runs the token pick, and then he sets him up. And Randall, of course, like shoves off Caruso on a shot attempt. And it's like, these are just, it's just. It doesn't matter to me who it is. Is that Randall hijacking the offense or is that Tibbs calling that play for him? It doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is, like, if you can't control that as a coach, that's a really big problem.
1: Right, right. Exactly. Like, it, this, this is what it comes down to. Like, even if it is Randall, like, we can't just hand wave away the fact that we were able to hand wave away the fact that Randall... Is out on Tibbs despite our because we were playing well and whatever, and it was working, but like that's just gonna rear its head, like in some you know, and it'll probably be versus better teams than the Bulls with a lot more talent. So, um, like it's like it's on the coach, it, like that's just one of the things that's on the coach. I know Tibbs has done a lot of things well, particularly with changing up the rotation lately, but like they're still. This is the thing with a coach like him like you have lots of low hanging fruit. You can improve and still have a whole lot to go before you hit like the, the level that many coaches around the league hit, which is just like okay, your players listen to you, your rotation is reasonable and your offense is modern like
0: Right. And and <laughs> to to his credit, like I don't I wouldn't say the offense is modern, but the shot distribution is Okay? The so, distribution that's, is, yeah. right. so so that's credit to him. I think he's finally landed on a rotation that serves our purposes both in the short and long term. So yeah, yeah. credit to him for that. But like this stuff, like there's still process stuff he's leading on the table. And I think it's like and here here's where it is, right? So if you want to apportion blame or you know responsibility or whatever the fuck, it's on Randall to not hijack the offense and run sets. Mm-hmm. And when Brunson's calling for a play to like honor that, especially in the situation that was when like and also- he, did, he did not have it going in the fourth quarter, which is like yeah. fine. Like you don't have it going in the fourth quarter, no big deal. Brunson does let him cook. Okay, that that is on Randall. What is on Tibbs is to get Randall to buy in. Okay, and then this is on the front office where it's like if Randall will not listen to Tibbs, will not buy into Tibbs entirely, right? Especially in these situations. Very specific situations. And these are the situations that, you one, this is why you brought Brunson in, right? This is why you brought Brunson in, was to presumably help with these end-of-game situations, crunch time situations, help make Julius's life easier, help make Tibbs' life easier. And two, like, if you are sticking with Tibbs and that's your guy, then you have a decision to ultimately make. That's probably not going to happen right now. I don't know when it would happen, maybe it will never happen. But you can't have one of your top players basically go rogue at the end of games and if he's it's so it's either he's not listening to the coach or that's what the coach wants to do. Either way it's a problem. It's on them to figure that out and address it. And if they if they try to keep if they keep ignoring it, then we might have I think we're going to have a good season. I think this season's going to end up with the next in a playoff spot at some point.
1: But But we're leaving wins on the table last year. (laughs) And it's
0: not just leaving wins on the table. It's also that doesn't, like, you can have a good season and still have problems that are going to become bigger problems down the line. And that's a situation where, like, when you're going from the season we had last year to, okay, we just want to make the playoffs, we can have good vibes and be happy and all that stuff, and, like, this can be a successful season. But guess what? After you do that, your goal next year would be, to improve, right? To be better. If you still have this issue that comes up, where end of game stuff is like, it's not just like it's not just that it's really kind of crappy, but that they're also not on the same page. You are asking for trouble down the line. So, like, it's just something that if you're the front office, even if you are not going to make a move with Julius during the season, and I don't think they will at this point, especially with Ob out now you have to be cognizant of this and monitor this over the course of the year. And that's not to say like, let's be like to, to credit Julius. Uh, he has shown that he's willing to defer to Brunson at times. So like, yeah, this is, this is arguably, and maybe is part of the process of like him. Mm -hmm. Re-engineering his game to play off of Brunson. And to that point, like even yesterday in a game where I didn't love Randall's process a lot, there were, there were stretches and, and periods of play and, and, you know, individual moments where like he really played off Brunson well.
1: And like, because they always that, play each other yeah. well. It's just figuring out like when to do it and how to do it. Like, I, and this is what I was getting at before. Like, <clears throat> I don't think non-iso ball and playing through Randall are mutually exclusive. Like, Brunson can initiate the offense, do his thing, run sets, get movement, and still get the ball to Julius. It, it's just later in the shot clock. And later in the shot clock is better for Julius because, as we know, he, he's at his best when he is making quick decisions. And I mean, you don't want it too late on the shot clock, like five seconds left. But if there's 10 seconds, he ha- he always gets a little more urgency to make a move and, and not uh, hesitate too much in his decision making. So I I really think that's when we're, we're at our best. And a lot of the times when Julius is at his best, because if, if he's making quick decisions, like you said, it's very hard for most most defenders to stop him and and he still like he can still make all the same kind of like drive and kick passes you know if he gets the ball with 10 seconds or 12 seconds as when he gets the ball with 24 he just cuts out all the fat in the process and and it works out and I really I mean Brunson has been worth every penny and then some but this guy's so gifted that I I would not be surprised if over the course of the season we just see him him kind of take things into his own hands to do exactly that. Like it shouldn't be on him to make up for the deficiencies in this system, however you want to apportion late game offense to Tibbs, Randall, whatever. But like the guy like it was kind of astonishing to just see I'm just maybe I'm I'm just so used to what we've had to deal with for so long with Tibbs and Julius that like at the end of OT. When Randall was just like, nope. I mean, when, when Brunson was just like, nope, Brunson time, which doesn't always mean Brunson shoots, but it does a lot mean Brunson shoots, that, like, I was I was fucking impressed. And on, even on the play when he dropped Caruso. That play he, was ridiculous, by the that way. That play was ridiculous. And then one thing that I thought was wonderful was, if you watch it, as the shot goes up, Randall, what does he do? he's not standing and watching this guy fucking bum rushes the hoop and is ready to throw down and smash for the rebound. And this is what I'm saying. Like there's a, like Randall definitely thinks he's the man. And a lot of the times, like with good reason. Right. But like he definitely respects Brunson like a lot. And it, it's not, you know, he wears his body language on his face. There's a lot of the times where other guys will miss Randall or do something that he doesn't approve of, and he's just like, ah, oh, fuck. But on that play, like, because Brunson had already made a shot and already set him up, so he had two plays, like you, like in the in the in your tweet where you clipped it. He already had two good plays, and Randall was like, fuck it, Brunson time, and immediately went to crash the board. So we've seen him buy into that balance. When Brunson says it, he doesn't give a shit what Tibbs thinks. But, like, I I really do think he values Brunson's leadership in a way that is not really true of anyone else on the team or anyone else he's played with. So um, it kind of sucks that we have to – that that much is on Brunson. But I do think Brunson's up to the task because with our good play and the new – like, you got to remember, we still haven't played that many games with this new rotation. And we really haven't played that many like fucking games that make you sweat. Like We've blown a lot of teams out. There's been a lot of shitty teams or guys with injury or teams with injuries or whatever. So I think as this rotation plays more close games, I pray, maybe I'm just being naive or optimistic, but I think I could see Brunson kind of taking things into his own hands to maintain that balance. um, Because like he's been on the other side of that, right? With Luca, where he knows it's fucking Luca time in the crunch. But this is the first, this is why he came here, right? Like he's talked about it endlessly. Like he's a leader. He wants to be the guy on this team. Um, and he showed it yesterday. And it was really the first time in, I don't know, 15, 20 games that we really had like end of game Brunson back. So I definitely think as we play better teams, we're going to see more of that. And Hopefully that gets, that lets us find the balance.
0: Yeah. And, and like, yeah, you're right. They haven't, they've played five games this new rotation. Um, it is weird though. The Knicks have played already. They've played four overtime games. Um, they are two and that two. That is a lot. Yeah. They've put their two and two in overtime games. Uh, but with this new rotation, this is the first time. So they're obviously five and oh since they've gone to this. I just going to throw this out there. The Knicks will probably not go undefeated the rest of the year. But who knows? Maybe they will. Um, but like they've. This is the first game where it hasn't been a double digit win.
1: And this, we're not let, the, let the, real quick though. Let the record show. Like this should have been a fucking this this the fourth quarter. Like even with the like this game was so. Full, we have to say it right. Like this game was full of lots of knots of nonsense. Like
0: the Derozan the, stuff was ridiculous. The Derozan was ridiculous.
1: stuff was fucking crazy. Like. Julius had a lot of free throws, but, like, most of those free throws were not on, like, uh, mid-range touch fouls or whatever. It was, like, him getting hammered under the hoop. So,
0: to be fair, in the first quarter, he did get a first half, but mostly the first quarter. He did get a bunch of those, like, those type. But it's, like, I I don't know. I I can't really—I know this sounds—and I actually even tweeted this out. I thought the Knicks were getting a good whistle in the first half. But, like, that all just totally went away in the second half and went the opposite direction. And, like— like, I thought RJ, I had, I forget who it was, and I'm, you know, I, please, if you're listening to this pod, don't take it personally. But I got to a debate with somebody, like, very briefly, because I just don't like doing that during games, about, like, you know, he did not like RJ's performance. And he's like, you know, he's fouling DeRozan. This is ridiculous. Like, he's got to avoid that stuff. It's stupid. And, I'm like, okay, I get it. But also, one, they, they had a stat yesterday where it was like DeRozan has attempted. This was before yesterday's game. He attempted like 216 free throws coming in the game, which is 50 more than Julius, who's like our highest free throw guy. And they've played one less game than us. Um, like, Drosen gets—he draws fouls on everybody. Like, that's his game. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good to defend you are. This is what he does. Second, like, a lot of those fouls were such bullshit. Like, I'm just sorry. They are bullshit. Um, and they're the type of fouls, if you call that shit at the park, you're gonna have, you're going to get into a fight.
1: You know what I mean? Like, like the type of fouls that you only call for a foul baiting superstar in the regular season. That's what yeah. it is. Like Kevin Durant's not getting that call; those calls in the playoffs. Kevin fucking Durant. Like it's just oh, he has to shoot a jumper. Like I'm sorry if you grazed his wrist or whatever with your hand or or some shit like that. And then it there was it was just it was really fucking bad. Even on the the challenge, Tibbs challenged the foul; they got overturned. Like that was bullshit. Like they like uh, who was shooting um, for the Knicks? It was a it was a jump shot, airspace foul that got overturned. In what? the oh, it was Randall.
0: It was Randall. Yeah, you're talking about the end of the game, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: that was Randall. He like
0: had shot this fade away from them. And to be honest, like I had no problem with them overturning that. But it's like you got to be consistent then, right? Like if you're not going to call that, and I'm again, I am fine with not calling that. And I actually like I literally did not have a, pro- not have a problem with it, but if you're not going to call that, or if you're going to overturn that, then you have to apply that. Like DeRozan right. does, it's just ridiculous. The, to if the amount of
1: like. contact on that overturned call was negligible, because there was contact, there was leg to leg contact on the landing, then you then negligible contact has to exist with DeRozan, and they just they That's just not a thing with him. Like any contact is a foul. It was crazy, and then on top of that, like. I mean, credit to the Bulls or whatever, right? Like they had some major shot making. Like we definitely had a lot of defensive farts in the fourth quarter, particularly my son Hartenstein, one of his worst showings. But like on the perimeter, Caruso was hitting like a snatch back, step back, long two. I mean, Zach was, you know, I mean he'll 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 make these every couple games because he's gifted in that way. But like he was hit splashing. Kobe White hit like a 30 footer. And I was just like, all right, all these fucking free throws. And now everybody on the bulls is fucking channeling the spirit of Michael Jordan. Like, like there's a lot of timelines where this game doesn't go to overtime. And this is just another like eight, nine, 10 point win. So I I know like
0: press press strange over here.
1: I know exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But I'm, this is why I was, even though the process was ugly, it was still so satisfying because, like, they just – yeah, the Knicks brought some of that bullshit on themselves, but there was also some external bullshit, and they still managed to pull away with it, even though it wasn't pretty. Um, And that's a – you know, that's a credit to them. And, that's why you saw the guys tweeting after the game, like, celebrating Mitch and Grimes and shit.
0: Well, like, I also think, like, so there's – so they've won – you know, look, th- these are the games since they made the rotation change, right? Okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it off real quick. Cleveland at home, 92. All these were at home except for the Hornets game and now the Bulls game. Cleveland, 92-81. Next win, Hawks, 113-89. Hornets, 121-102. Kings, 112-99. This is the first game where they had to get in the muck, and they had to like grind it out at the end of a game, and they had to find a way to win. And DeRozan's going to the line every single time, and they were dealing with a lot of shit right like and i know the king's game was weird right because brunson goes out and randall gets ejected so like you're dealing with shit there but it never got into that dicey like you know fucking hold on to your butts kind of time right it was just like they just Mm kind of defended their way and kept that at arm's length Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yesterday was a game they had to the defense wasn't great yesterday and i don't think it was because the defense itself was like bad necessarily but it was chicago made a lot of shots and chicago they did a pretty decent job of producing shots. Like you can, you like- can have
1: more. Like it's not right. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Like yesterday, they didn't. It wasn't defensive lapses every time down the court, but it was enough defensive lapses that combined with the insane whistle and great shot making, that you know, like this is one of those make or miss league kind of games where you know, if the other team is shooting like that and drawing fouls like that, your margin for error on defense is less. So it wasn't. It was. This was not. Anywhere near the worst defensive games of this next season. But, uh, and
0: yeah, and it's they took the Bulls took advantage. Right.
1: And you have to find ways to win in this league. And the big,
0: the biggest thing is like for any team, but especially if you want to be a good team, is you got to find different ways to win. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you're not, your defense isn't going to be all the way there. And other teams are going to make shots. And sometimes your offense isn't going to be there. And you're going to have to find a way to grind it out. And like the Knicks have, Been doing that in this stretch, right? They didn't, they couldn't score for shit against Cleveland, but they grinded that game out in like this disgusting ode to like the 90s Knicks or something, right? 90 to 81. You don't see that score in the current league at all. Like they're finding different ways to win. I think that's really important for them if you're like trying to develop an identity and just culture and all that kind of stuff. I think that's important. Um, and I think they're finding like, like you look at the box, look, just look at the box we yesterday. I mean, the Knicks have—they have they had 3 guys score over 20, two of them over 30. Like, if you look at it—I think the Knicks—I'm just looking at this right now. Um, so if you if you look at, like, what is going on this season—I actually was going to tweet this out, but, like, the Knicks right now, okay, um, and I know the efficiency and all that stuff isn't there. Right now, Br- Randall's averaging 22.6. Brunson's averaging 20.4. RJ's at 19. Quickly's the fourth-leading scorer at 10. And then after that, it's like eight cam at eight point four, R I P Cam, uh Top in 7.7, Mitch 7.4, Quentin 7.4. Like this team is like quickly finding relative consistency and Grimes just making some threes away from And
1: Grimes is up to 38% low yeah. key. Like he's he's getting back up there real fast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like th- they're they're not far off from making the type of like like this could be a pretty potent offense even without
1: you know, potent offense with us sucking at three-pointers, right. literally being the worst shooting team in the league. Even right. us going from, like, the 30th three-point shooting team to, like, the 22nd would be a massive boon.
0: Right. And, like, and I'm almost positive. I don't care what the, the – I don't care what quickly shooting from three right now. I don't care what RJ shooting from three right now. No, they'll, be don't, get, better. they'll they're, get better. They're going to get better. I, like Grimes you mentioned, right? Grimes is at – right now he is at – uh. 30, 30 30 no he's at 35%. 34.9% oh. from 3. He's going to get better. Deuce is going to get better. Like they're going to have got like, the only person that you could maybe argue is shooting like above their head on three point shooting right now is Randall, at like 30 and that's at 34%, which he isn't like above his head. yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's no. and even if he is it's just not like
1: all his indicators point towards him finding finding the touch. He's, yeah, he's like he's over the last month shot like Almost 90% from the line. He's shot like a zillion percent from mid range. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and, and so, um,
0: yeah, like I think this team is pretty close to making a serious leap. Uh, if the defense, like again, like we mentioned, I didn't think they played bad defense yesterday. I thought the Bulls played well. And like that happens. Like they, dude, they have DeRozan. They have even this version of Levine is like a pretty, He's not a tough. He's not an easy. You're right. Cover. They're
1: disappointing, but they're not bums. <laughs>
0: yeah, and actually, like if you just look at their season, like they've been pretty unlucky. Um, just looking at this, like their net rating, right for the full season, is net minus zero point four. Like they're they're pretty unlucky right now in close they're games. Better than their record. Yeah, they're they're a lot
1: like us last year. Actually yeah i think there was a stat during the game of like uh i don't remember the, the exact parameters but it was something about like something something clutch something something whatever, oh yeah their whatever. clutch
0: stuff has been terrible and they're to... like
1: and, and a lot of their games are in this situation which is why it impacts their their record they're like three and ten or something yeah. in those situations
0: yeah and it's like like they had that hawks loss a couple of days ago which was mm-hmm. insane they had that orlando one earlier in the year i think they were up like they were up four with like 17 seconds left and somehow lost that in regulation. Um like they've had some horrible beats, but like so the the point is like don't just look at their record. Like they're they're not a world beater, but they're they're about a 500 team. So like they were and last night they were favored by four points. So but like the Knicks were the underdog coming into that game. Uh they'll probably be the underdog again Friday night. So like you have like winning games like this is really important. And uh, you know, you become a good team by going on the road and beating mediocre teams. And then, you know, you take care of business at home. What makes a great team is being able to take care of business everywhere you go. I don't think the Knicks are at that point now. Okay. But like <laughs> can they get to the point where they're can they be the sixth seed? That's kind of like where I'm at. Like, can mm. they be the sixth seed? And I think they can be because I don't I don't I'm not scared of Toronto. I'm not scared of fucking Atlanta, who is absolute piss. I'm not scared of a lot of these teams that allegedly, you know, oh my god, they added so much talent. Oh, they have a direction. Oh, they have a superstar. The Knicks don't have a star. They don't have a direction. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, the Knicks picked a direction finally. Thank God. Uh, And you know what? Maybe they did. Maybe they do have a star. Maybe they do have a star because Jalen Brunson looks like a fucking star to me. And you know what? I'll say this: I have been the world's biggest Julius Randle skeptic, hater, whatever you want to put, whatever you want to label me as as a negative towards Julius Randle it is all fair game they're all applicable um look at the east this year There's there's no reason he might not make an all-star team oh he's,
1: um, gonna make, he's gonna make that shit if we fuck around and stay hovering in this like clusterfuck in the middle of the east like you have to i mean you have to pick a nick and you know my pick would be Brunson but you look at this the counting stats which they do mean a lot in the voting and you, if he continues this fucking heater that he's on, bro, like, yeah, so, shit. Like, <laughs> right, like that's
0: so, like the Knicks might have two all of a sudden, and you know, who cares? Like, I don't think any of us even and in if that, There's
1: all-star injuries and shit like that. Yeah, and
0: and I think like even if we're you know, even if you were being honest, like it's not like we really believe Julius is a top twenty-five player or something, but like he's still hooping. Yeah, he's he's playing well, and so. You know, I, I don't know what that means long term in this case, but like for right now and for like what this team is trying to do, I think they're in a pretty good spot. Um, and this is fun, and like basketball's supposed to be fun. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit. I, I still have seen like I really don't know what people want RJ to do, but like I thought I he played. RJ thoughts. I thought he played well yesterday.
1: I didn't yesterday big... was my favorite rj game of the season yeah by so I'll, a large margin.
0: I'll just say this i get why you say that all i yeah. would say is the knicks and so this is this is like probably the one long-term mm. thing i would i think they do need to make sure that they get figured out ironed out and done in a better way yeah. is like i need to see like some of these isos for julius i would yeah. like to see like two or three of those be not iso but like Ball handling sets for RJ, yeah. Like, if we can, what happened? RJ pick and rolls, yeah. Like, if we can, not pistol, but like, yeah, (laughs) if we can convert a couple of those, Mm. I would like that because I think he's actually shown some growth there. Um, Mm. but I like people were like, oh, he's not creating enough, he still doesn't have a bag, and like, okay, he doesn't have a bag, but like, should he is is that so? What okay, let's let's go with that. He doesn't have a bag, fair to say. Um, Perez as the resident bag appreciator, I think you would sign (laughs) off on that. Yes. Okay. So RJ doesn't have a bag. So now that we accept that, instead of being frustrated by that, like, shouldn't we be happy that he's not trying to, like, do and one hot sauce level? Like, he's not, right? He's just, like, doing very functional, brolic RJ things. And I'm fine with that. And yesterday, like, he took good threes. He slashed when he should slash. He had that sequence at the end of the fourth where he got stuffed a couple times, but I didn't mind that because he's he went to the rim hard. Those were not like his bullshit soft like I'm trying to like finesse this layup around. No, he went in hard. It, it got stuffed a couple times. It happens. And and you know what? Mitch ended up getting a putback dunk on those anyway. So like when you drive hard and you command the defense's attention, these are the things that open up for you. Um, and I thought and he didn't he he did not force much at all yesterday. I think he might have had. One turnover Mm-mm. that you could call a force, but like other than that, I thought he played pretty well. I thought his offensive foul that pushed off on Rosen was ludicrous. Yeah, that was bullshit. Um,
1: that was absolutely ridiculous. Especially... I was watching without volume, and I I was literally confused. I was like, I don't I don't understand the call. Like, what... do you watch
0: without volume when you're like with your wife or something?
1: No, I watch without volume ninety nine percent of the time because <laughs> I would just like. Sometimes I'll be in the mood for for Breen and Clyde, but. Most of the time, I'm like, I'd rather just listen to music or I just fucking am a grouch about NBA announcing in general for the Knicks. It's either Mike and Breen who are like, if, if it's a if it's other teams, I could deal with it. But like you, you tweet about it all the time. The one Mike and Breen thing that uh, I mean, Mike and Breen, Mike and Clyde thing I hate is just they're so generous about <laughs> like about the refs and the other team and like I don't want I don't like announcers that are homers either. I would hate I would hate if the Knicks announcers were like, you know, one of those teams that were had hilarious Homer announcers. Like there's a place for that, but I personally just don't enjoy that. But the other end of the spectrum is Breen and Clyde where they're like, okay, like, well, these refs have an incredibly hard job. And well <laughs> to to their credit, like RJ did lie finger on DeRozan's <laughs> brain or whatever. And I'm like All
0: right, guys, come on. Come on now. Come on. All right, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about RJ, but before we continue, uh, the NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many bets that you could place. Like, will the Knicks qualify outright for the playoffs? They might. They just might do it. When I'm looking to get it on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility re- restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, Real quick before you talk about why yesterday's game was your favorite RJ game, which I'm going to definitely was not my favorite RJ game, but I don't hate that. Uh. He over not his, much to
1: pick from this year. Yeah.
0: Uh, over his last 11 games, RJ is averaging one second. Let me pull it up because I did not have this prepared because that's how we do this on this podcast. We don't prepare things. Oh, uh, Dome, haters. Yes, we're freestyling all the time. So this is from that Road OKC game until obviously last night's game. So that's an 11-game sample. He's averaging now 20.5 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, forty-four point two percent from the field, thirty-seven point nine percent from three on five point three attempts per game, eighty-one point three percent from the line. Uh, if you want the uh the fancy schmancy advanced efficiency numbers, uh, RJ over that sample is averaging. Uh, he's doing all that on fifty-six and a half true shooting. Okay. Uh, this is like a like look. We got to see it for more. But as I have pointed out previously, and as I've mentioned to you um aside from that weirdo five game slump which like we can defer differ on you know how sick was he is that an excuse I don't like I can excuse the shooting during that stretch I think the process was so bad that like you have to blame him for that stuff but like the shooting I can just be like okay he was sick um but the first 12 games of the season he was at 54 true shooting last 11 56 and a half true shooting average that out I know it doesn't exactly work that way I'm not going to do the math right now uh that's about like you know talking about like a 55, 55 and a half true shooting for RJ over 23 games of the season um you know is that perfect is that great is that the most ideal thing that's ever happened no but that's a pretty significant leap and people got to understand this and stop bitching about it all the time you're not you didn't pay RJ to be an all-star. And you like, and to be fair, I sh- you can say the same thing to me. You didn't pay Julius Randle to be an all-star. That's not the contract he's on. You didn't pay Brunson to be an all-star. These guys are not making all-star, all-NBA superstar money. They're getting paid to be solid NBA starters. And right now, like, I think you can argue for sure that Randle and Brunson are. And I think RJ's pretty much there. I think he's pretty much there. Even given the defensive stuff that me and you have talked about endlessly and the inconsistency at times offensively, like, He's getting pretty good, he's getting to a pretty solid level, and let's see where the the efficiency stuff is at the end of the year. but the way he's trending like it looks like it looks like finally maybe potentially he's making a significant leap, and that significant leap is because he's shooting better from two point range and the free throw line, which is nice
1: yeah his um even through the worst parts of the season for him his uh you know he still has definitely his fair share of moments where I'm like are your hand, do you have no feelings in your hands when you go up for this layup? But like, he also, uh, um, you know, the, the fadeaway floaters are, are no, are really no longer a thing. Like
0: he did take one yesterday. It was very
1: funny. (laughs) Okay. They're mostly not a thing. (laughs) Most of the time now, when we talk about good God, RJ, where is your touch? It's layups, right? And that sounds like a boring difference, but it matters a lot because if you take more layups and less floaters, it's, your efficiency is going to go up. And then when he does take floaters, like I've said it, he's, he's come to rely on these, like the ball, these floaters where like the ball barely gets over the rim, um, which is way different than IQ floaters, much less like Derek Rose, moonball ball floaters. Um, but he, you know, those, those short, low altitude floaters, they go in for him um, at a respectable clip. Like if you look at his, his, uh, I, I pulled his floater numbers on Instat the other day and he was, 45 percent, which is not just good it's exceptional actually it's not like top of the league crazy chris paul Hallibur in iq style where it's like well i don't know what iq's at this year but like those guys will shoot at like 50 percent or whatever um but whatever it's it, it's good percentage and decent volume so you know the two-point improvement even through all the shittiness we saw that coming and then now um i mean we'll see what happens but like One thing that I think I've learned this year and last year, um, both from the NBA and from some uh, draft prospects, is I think I've always underestimated. This is going to sound stupid, and listeners might be like, yo, yeah, no shit, prez, you fucking idiot. But, like, if for whatever reason, whether it's injury, you put on too much weight, you're sick with COVID, a combination of different things, like, it can take a really long time to get your legs under you, particularly if you're not like an elite athlete. Um, Like we saw it with Mitch. I mean, Mitch was an elite athlete, but that's back when he was like young and skinny. Like now Mitch, he's a good athlete for a center, but I don't think anybody would call him, you know, an elite athlete. He's not like Jalen Duran level or anything like that. Um, And he's a big dude. So like it took him many games to, you know, he put on too much weight after injury. And this year with RJ, you're kind of seeing the same thing. And it's only been two games of him moving well. And I'm going to try to pull some clips for Twitter. But, like, yesterday just watching the game on offense and defense, there were just several plays where he just went fast. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And the first one was that weak side block he had the other day. um, Oh, against Sacramento? Yeah, when he was playing the four. Hmm. And, and at the time I had kind of chalked it up to like okay RJ At the four is going to be like around The rim more and good for him like great Block like I love to see it it was the third or Fourth block of the year you got another one Versus the Bulls Um, But it wasn't even that it was like Just random like sprints Around the court with and without the Ball where I was just like oh my god like I mean he's not he doesn't Look like Zach Levine burst out there But compared to slow poke RJ That we were used to it was kind of it jumped off the screen for me, and even on his jump shots, um, this is more anecdotal, but it looks like he's able to like get a little bit more legs and and bend into it, which which is really important for him, just how he shoots. Um, and it you can see the ball fucking like it just flies off his his hands better a lot. Of, he had one three yesterday where it didn't, but like all of the threes, even the misses, for the most part, just like flew out of his hands and i think that it, it comes from the legs with him and i'm really excited to see that continue particularly i mean it's wonderful for the offense of course <clears throat> but especially for defense that's where him just being slower than like a bunch of fucking power forwards has just killed him all year so if you can keep that up i mean like the bulls are a good team for him to like get his legs back on defense. their top
0: 10 defense, by the way. Yeah, yeah, their yeah. Yeah. Defense rating. yeah,
1: yeah. That's where they've even without Lonzo, that's where they've uh hung their hat to this. Uh, you know, you spoke about their net rating. Um, yep. Caruso, Pat wills of huge disappointment, but he still can play defense. Um, I don't even know who the fuck else be playing defense. Shout out to Coach Donovan, I guess. I don't know, whatever, Vooch. I don't know, <laughs> but he, he's just moving well and. That, to me, is significant for the fortunes of this team long-term because, you know, the in addition to his impact on games where we were like, okay, he's high usage, not making shots, not playing defense. Like, what the fuck is he good for? Like, do we have to trade him? Should we bench him? Like, it went full Knicks fan doom spiral, you know, across the fan base. But, like, if he's solid efficiency on good volume, respectable from three, and respectable on defense and just moving like a wing like that is huge for the like whether he stays here and continues to improve you know it sounds corny but this fucking guy's only 22 like he he still got plenty of improvement left in the tank right like i know we love comparing him to like og ananobe this motherfucker's is like 4 years or younger than og OB. all right like <laughs> or something like that 3 or 4 years so for his improvement, for the wins now, what, for him as a trade piece down the line, should that ever be a thing that they need to do? Like It just gives us so much more options. And his game is just so based in physicality that he needs to move well. So like at first, I was like, the, my favorite thing about this game was how RJ Barrett moves. But after the Jalen Brunson crossover, I can no longer say that. The Brunson crossover was, the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life my soul left my body and it what... being
0: on caruso for oh a variety God. of reasons was really good by the way uh i know the knicks are apparently looking for some kind of veteran help i would not mind adding alex caruso to the mixture throwing that out there
1: oh man the bulls would have to really shut it down though
0: i mean i think the bulls should really shut it down <laughs>